1: in a semi text in he says i can't wait for nhl 17 so i can move arizona florida or even carolina to quebec like the nhl should have done already ha 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 that is from thomas in a semi can you move franchises Uh, kellen kennedy's our studio producer tonight can you move franchises on the nhl video games
0: uh, yeah you, you can. can you can you can uh, it's not you're not physically moving the franchise what i like to do and the easiest way to do it is you delete that franchise in season mode or in be a gm mode off of the uh the market then those players go out as free agents yeah and then you just m- put a created or a custom oh, so you team just rename in there. the yeah. team so basically. you rename the team pretty okay. much yeah. yeah i mean
1: you don't have to okay yeah. cool
0: didn't Mad- Does
1: Madden still do that where you could, like, move the franchise and get a new stadium and all that kind of stuff? Or does I honestly ha- I it's haven't a played long a Madden time game since I-
0: 10, but, yeah, you could do that in 10, so I would assume that's still a feature you could do. All right. Yep. Anyway. I always like putting a team in Red Deer for whatever reason. <laughs> well, it adds to the Battle of Alberta. Absolutely. It makes it a three-way. Yeah. Nothing like a three-way. Yep. Inside Sports on 630
1: chat. 4-2 Arizona leading the Blue Jays. They are in the bottom of the seventh, uh, thanks to everybody who texted, and uh, we will keep going with the hockey talk in a bit. But of course, we have a huge football game coming up on Saturday: Eskimos against the Ottawa Red Blacks. Morley Scott is the play-by-play voice of your Green and Gold here on six thirty. Chad, Morley, how are you doing? I am good. Reed, how are you? Well, I'm doing great. Looking forward to the Eskimo season opener. Hey, man, I, I
2: get to watch it in Buffalo. Lucky you. Yeah. There's well, a lot of things to do in Buffalo, and watching an Eskimo game would be at the top of many lists. Saturday night in Buffalo. Don't forget I, the Anchor Bar. I, now, have you been there? I have been there, yes. The Anchor Bar, the the place that invented the chicken wing. Uh, they've got the story, I believe, right on the placemat, and it tells you that the owner figured, we're wasting a lot of this chicken here. We're just cutting it off and throwing it in the garbage. Maybe I'm going to deep fry these and see if people will like them. Lo and behold... An industry is born. All right, so that's the story. All right, so I, ha- I have to go to the
1: Anchor Bar at some point. Maybe they'll be showing the Eskimos game. Who knows? Here's here's here's. Well, the thing. you're so
2: close to Canada, you, get, get, you TSN. get TSN. They got
1: to get they got to get TSN.
2: Yeah, I think actually, is I re- I haven't been to Buffalo for a long time, but I think actually they got it in the hotels.
1: Well, even better, I could maybe yeah. order wings into yeah, my hotel. Exactly. Though I guess you got to go to the actual bar at some point. But last year, I was in the hotel was in Fort Lauderdale for the draft.
2: Probably not on there, eh?
1: No, and I and it was supposed to be on ESPN three, which is only online, yeah. right? Or maybe it was yep. on ESPN two, but I couldn't get it, and I yeah, you needed a pass or something to get it online. Yes. So I found a, a website, probably that probably it doesn't operational anymore. <laughs> that was uh, that was uh, carrying the game, but it was one of those choppy feeds, and it was one of those where the The screen is just a smaller square inside oh, the yeah. computer
2: monitor. You're, so you're sitting pretty close to your uh, <laughs> yeah, monitor. and it yeah. wasn't the most compelling game. It was, I mean, it was the Eskimos' worst game of the year. What, which game much. was I can't even Toronto. Oh yeah, oh game. okay, it was the Toronto game. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that wasn't a lot of fun. So I'm hoping I can actually the, watch only, it. The only two things I remember from that game is Mike Ratty getting hurt and it was freaking hot in Fort McMurray.
1: Yeah. Well, so hopefully this year I can watch on an actual uh, television Yeah, and a a little little later start. If all else
2: fails, of course, don't forget 630Chad.com.
1: Well, of course I'll listen to 630Chad, but... You know, match it up with, with, with the yeah. pictures. Anyway, uh, you, but with, I'll look at some uh, some new starters here for the Green and Gold. That's pretty much nailed down now. We're through the preseason. Yeah,
2: it, what it looks like, yeah, they had their first day of practice today, full practice, you know, game planning. And they, you know, they kind of flipped the switch a little bit today, right, as, as they get set. There's a lot fewer fewer guys on the field, and the little focus has changed a little bit as they're getting set in game planning for the Ottawa Redblacks. But, yeah, it looks like the changes, uh, the majority of changes on the team are obviously in the defensive backfield. Uh, Neil K. King at a great camp, and he's won that job as a starting safety, and that's why uh, they are able to release uh, Kaoshi Mwamba along with the injury factor. Uh, Cord Parks is going to start in the wide side halfback spot, uh, and uh, Dion Ballou will start at the cornerback spot on the wide side. Ballou also started the game in Fort Mac last year. He started for Marcel Young, who was injured in camp and didn't play week one. Ballou ripped up, not ripped up, but he pulled his hamstring, I believe it was, pretty bad on the opening kickoff and had to play the the game limping and uh, got beat a couple of times because of it. So uh, he he earned a start this time around, and and he'll be starting on that corner uh, on the wide side. So three of the five defensive backfield spots are going to have somebody new there.
1: But... King and Parks have CFL experience. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, yeah, Belou yeah. is obviously a little more limited. Is, you know, but,
2: yeah. uh, well, King's, what, three years? Parks been in for two years. So, right. yeah, for sure. They've uh, they've been around, and Parks knows the system because he played for the BC Lions where Mike Benavides was. So,
1: yeah. Because last week we were talking about, what, the Fuller and uh, Morgan and Thompson, and these were, have all been rookies jumping in. So none of them impressed quite enough to to grab yeah, the Yeah, and spots. Solomon Means, too, Solomon Means, yeah. is,
2: is, is in that group, too. Yeah, um, Solomon Means is still around and uh, Thornton is still around, too, uh, the Thornton, pra- sorry, on the yeah. practice roster. So, um, yeah, they're still here, but right now it's it's Deion Ballou who's going to get that opportunity. All right. Well, and it'll be interesting to see against Ottawa because last year, I, I mean, I was looking
1: back at some of the CFL stats today, and Henry Burris had a 1,000 more passing yards than the next best quarterback. Now, part of that was because several quarterbacks didn't play the entire mm-hmm. season, but still, I mean, Ottawa – went a long way last year and obviously made the great cup. So, I mean, Ottawa is a big question mark for me because I know they have a lot of key guys back and, um, Burris is a year older and a year wiser <laughs> I guess but yeah now he's got some experience he might be pretty good but you'll wonder I mean you'll wonder too if, if they can repeat that because let's face it yeah. they, they Hamilton wasn't at, at full power for almost a year
2: there are some things going on in Ottawa that I think could be problematic for them first they lost the best OC in the league right in Jason Moss who's now the Eskimos head coach uh, they've lost their starting running back already for the season with a, a ruptured Achilles so they got to play that one out they had 4,000 yard receivers last year, that's going to be pretty hard to duplicate, I would think, this year. And what is the factor? Could there be a little friction in Ottawa if Henry Burris doesn't play like Henry Burris has played the last couple of years? Because Trevor Harris is there, and he's signed to be the starter there at some point. Burris has already re-signed for next year as well, so now Harris has got a little bit longer to wait possibly. And and what happens if Henry struggles? Is there going to be a Henry Camp and a, a Team Henry right. and a Team Trevor? Like That has an interesting way of playing things out in Ottawa. So they've got to be very careful there. I think Rick Campbell is sitting on a time bomb only if Henry Burris doesn't play well, and he might have to manage that. Uh, on defense, they lost a couple of key guys. Their 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 front line is gone, right? Keith Scholigan's gone. They lost uh, Sean Lemon, and they lost Justin Capicotti. So they've got some issues of working in some new guys on their defensive line. So they've they've been they were probably hit harder than the Eskimos were. The Eskimos, I know, lost their entire coaching staff, but they got most of their players, the the majority of their players, especially on offense, coming back.
1: Yeah, Morley Scott joining us inside sports on 6.30, Chad, Get Morley and Dave Campbell and Brendan Ulrich and Blake Dermott on Saturday, 3.30 for the pregame show here on 6.30, Ched. 5 o'clock for the opening kickoff, for the opening game of the 2016 season for your great cup champion, Edmonton Eskimos. Uh, going to be a good day of sports. We'll have draft coverage from Buffalo from 8 to 11 in the morning on 6.30, Chad, Offensively... Um, I guess if you want to call them new starters, new from last year, uh, yeah. John White, who was the starter the year before, had his year blown out last year by the injury, and Chris Chris who's obviously been a starter in the league, um, not for the uh, not for the Eskimos, so two guys. I mean, who looked like I guess you could say their old selves in the preseason.
2: Yeah, for sure, and those are the only two changes on offense. And those are pretty good ads. I mean, you're not t- really taking a step back uh, because they're both real good players, especially White, who I talked to him today, and, and he's he says he's over it. He says everything's fine. He's no longer even thinking about his Achilles. You know, he said, I got the hits. I can cut, I can run with the ball, I'm okay. And so he's ready to play the full game on Saturday against Ottawa. And Getzlaff is, is Getzlaff. I mean, he's playing with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder this year to prove everybody wrong. Like, a lot of people think he's too old. Uh, he's been hurt the last couple of years. I think you know, he only played 10 games last year, I think it was. So he wants to prove that that he can still play and he can still be a productive guy in the Canadian Football League. So he's playing with a little bit of a purpose this year as well. So offensively, I, I and from what we saw uh, on Saturday, especially, I think they're going to be fine offensively. What a great start it was with those first yep. three plays in, and into the end zone. Uh, and, and defensively, look at the numbers. It, you know, the starters didn't play a lot, and the Eskimos only gave up 16 points in two games and one touchdown defensively. Right. Uh, of course, it was a touchdown given up by the offense on the fumble, right, in Calgary. Yeah. But man, the defense looks good. Uh, as, you know, defense wins championships. Offense sells tickets. I predict a lot of wins and a lot of cro- big crowds to watch because the Eskimo's got a both both of those sides going Well, on. I mean,
1: you know how I feel about Walker, having him for hopefully 18 games yeah. um, and how that could possibly open up things for, for Bowman, who, I mean, sure, is he, is he in the second half of his career? Absolutely. But, I'm, but I mean, he still looks... Pretty dangerous. He's been and
2: the most dominant receiver in the league for two and a half years. That's right. So and, and, you can't and, argue that.
1: And John White, and what I'd like to about Saturday's game, and again, we'll see once it's starter versus starter for 60 minutes week after week, but John White, who's a very powerful runner, he was getting three or four yards for free from the O-line, and that's that's nice. I mean, we know John White can break, break tackles and explode and run downhill, as they like to say. But it's nice if he doesn't have to worry about that until he's already halfway to a first yeah, down. Yeah, exactly. He's getting
2: hit. That's exactly right. That, that what a stable group that O line is. I mean, for the when was the last time the Eskimos went into a season with absolutely no concerns about their offensive line? Not in my not, time. Not, no, no, you no. Know, it's long been time. ten years. Well, how probably, often you know. do all five guys come back? You know, that's rare, rare in itself. Yeah, it is, Plus, yeah, even depth guys. come yeah, back. Yeah, even some depth guys come back. You're right. You know, so uh, yeah, and they got some good young guys coming up in, you know, Danny Grew, who's on the injured list now, and 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 David Beard. So they're they're in a pretty good spot on their offensive line. So they're, you know, what I, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what this team can do. I really love the enthusiasm I'm feeling from the offensive players. I really think they're enjoying playing for an offensive head coach because that hasn't happened here since well Danny Machocha right I Mm -hmm. guess you know so it's it's been a long time so uh, none of these guys except Calvin McCarty were here at that point so they're really enjoying it they're really enjoying uh, the playbook that that Jason Moss has brought with them and you know Moss's mantra for the team as he talked about in a post game show and he's talked about right through camp aggressive play fast and finish uh, so though they, they like that style, and we saw that you know, first play of the game, 59 yards inside the 10, the rest of it's gravy after that, right? So. Aggressive, fast, and finish. That sounds like me on a plate of chicken wings in Buffalo. of boy, of boy. Oh, and don't forget, too, if you're going to the game Saturday, get there early. It's 5 o'clock kickoff, but the Eskimos are raising uh, a Grey Cup banner. Uh, and they want people in their seats just a little bit early. So make sure you get there early so you can uh, witness that great feat. So as Mike Riley said, I'm real excited for it. I'm real excited for it to be over so we can play the first game too. So he's, he's, he is that way. He said the same thing about the ring ceremony too. He said let's get the rings over with and then get to training camp. Now he's kind of saying time to turn the page on 2015 and get on with winning another one. Morley, thanks for your time. You bet, Reed.
1: That is Morley Scott, play-by-play voice of your Edmonton Eskimos, checking in inside sports on 630 Chet. By the way, kids get in free to the Eskimos home opener on Saturday. If uh, you got a kid three and under, or if you're going to the game yourself, (laughs) which I doubt if you're that age, uh, ages three and under, no ticket required as long as the child sits on a lap, hopefully the lap of a parent, uh, not just for the home opener, but all season long. If you are uh, 3 to 12, one free kid's ticket in the upper deck with the purchase of an adult ticket ages 13 to 19, one free teen ticket in the upper deck with the purchase of a full-price teen ticket. And, of course, you can go to esks.com slash kidsfree for more of those details. We'll get some comments from your quarterback, Mike Riley, when we get back inside Sports on Chet.
0: You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader. 630 Chen.
1: So I just double checked a map of Buffalo on the old Google maps. If I got my addresses right, walking distance to the anchor bar. Hey hey. So I can go get Buffalo Wings. There you go. In Buffalo. Yes. How about that? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to eat while I'm there. I can't go four days without eating. That'd be insane. Mm-hmm. Yep. Inside Sports on 630 Chad, presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. Check them out online at actionfurnace.ca. Pat Steinberg out of Calgary for some uh, draft discussion. I wonder how Flames fans are feeling with Freddie Anderson going to the Toronto Maple Leafs yesterday. But I want to finish up some thoughts on football here. Quarterback Mike Riley talking about the Eskimos Grey Cup banner ceremony that will happen before the game on Saturday.
3: Well, I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it to get over with. I want to play the football game. Um, You know, and it's it's obviously a symbol of all the hard work that we put in last year. But uh, I think more than anything, it's a reminder of what we have up against us this year. And and you remember everything that we had to go through last year to to win that championship. We're going to have to go through even more you know in in whatever whatever form that takes so um, you know we're ready for that it's a long road but uh, it all starts week one against Ottawa and like I said I I, that's great that they're putting the banner up but I want them to get that done and over with so we can play football against
2: it's kind of almost more for the fans and yeah for
3: sure you know I mean it's great for the city it's great uh, you know that we were able to bring the great cut back for them and and that was what we were extremely excited about doing and they've shown a ton of appreciation and support and I'm sure that uh, Saturday will be no different when they raise that banner but again once that ball is kicked off you know we've officially begun this season and and all of that's in the past
1: all right Mike Riley yeah this is an Eskimos team that doesn't dwell on the past they didn't dwell on that four and fourteen season a couple of years ago then they went twelve and six then fourteen and four so they're not dwelling on what they did last year Jason Moss head coach of the Edmonton Eskimos he was Ottawa's offensive quarter last season now he's preparing to face his former team
4: I'm not, I'm a big fan of the first couple of weeks because you yeah. don't got much game to go off of. I mean, everyone's basic in, in the preseason, not showing their hands. Uh, whether they show you something or not, you can't, are they showing you that just to show you that? Or are they really what they're about? So, I mean, I'd prefer to you know, after you played four or five games, to do more game planning. But uh, so it's still really what you do well, uh, what you feel like the other team is going to do by history, and then you go from there. I mean, if you if you're solid with your group and you they have a good understanding of why you're trying to do stuff, you know, we can always figure it out afterwards. What do you have?
2: You have the preseason available to you. You, you have you have that those games to watch, even though
4: there's not much in them. Yeah, like from, I said, you Ottawa? you go ahead and but, yeah. watch the Hamilton game and yeah, see how many yeah. guys are playing in that yeah. game, and you no, tell me how yeah, you're yeah. going to game plan them. So, Absolutely. I mean, like I said, the preseason's one thing to see. You get, get to see the first game, the the players that played that are going to still be on the roster, that's great to see. The schemes that they're running, you just don't know if that's more, of, you know, is that their base stuff? What's their, their, their good stuff they get to? So, you know, you look back to last year, but are they changing it? Did they self-say out themselves and figure out some things they want to, some wrinkle they want to throw in? That's It's always a cat-and-mouse game of football. Football is meant to be played by game planning and doing everything so after you've played a few weeks you kind of get a feel for what teams are doing for you is when game planning becomes more of an art. Right now you're still wondering. Does it get ratcheted up a little bit for this game because you know them so well and they know your stuff so well? Um, you know, I, I think the the cat and mouse game or the X's and O's thinking game, you know, you could start overthinking things. I think more than anything, and uh, I know Rick well enough to know that, you know, he wants his guys to play fast and not think too much. And uh, you know, it's 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 going to be interesting how much they're thinking about things because I, I I'm kind of wondering the same thing, and but. You know, you do what you do best at the end of the day when you don't know what the other team's gonna do exactly. So, uh, I've always said that, um, and we'll stick to what we do. You don't outsmart yourself, right? Exactly, I mean, how, how do you put in a whole bunch of stuff and you don't know exactly what the other team's gonna do, uh, specifically what they're gonna do? You have a great idea, but, you know, do they change what, what their MO is? That's a good question to ask, and we'll find out when we play them.
1: There we go, Jason Moss ready to rock and roll. Eskimos against the Red Blacks on Saturday by the way Scott Johnson our City Hall Bureau chief tweeting out a picture earlier today the signage going up at Rogers place he had a picture of the R being installed outside the building Blue Jay's trailing 4-2 against Arizona that game is in the bottom of the eighth we will keep you updated on that one coming up Pat Steinberg my buddy out of Calgary will talk a little flames, we'll talk a little draft speculation. Still a bunch to get to here on Inside Sports tonight on 630 Chet. My name is Reed Wilkins, and I will talk to you after the news, traffic and weather. This is Matt Hendricks from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 6:30. Shed. Oh, a little kiss tonight, eh, Kellen Kennedy? We got it. Haven't heard from them for a while. That's one of your favorite bands, isn't it? Yeah, coming to town July 12th. Are they really? Are you going? Yeah, man. Where are they playing? Rexall. Uh, Are they still wearing the makeup, or is it San's makeup? No, it's full makeup. How old are they now? Uh, Way old. I'm going to Google. What's the one guy? Paul Stanley? Yep. Not former U of A Golden Bear Rick Stanley to throw in a local basketball reference Paul Stanley is uh, he's only 64
0: Uh, what's the other guy Gene Simmons yeah I think he's uh, I think Gene might be older Gene Simmons is uh, 66 yes by a couple years okay there you go fascinating stuff but Gene Simmons uh, fun fact loves Edmonton how do you know that? Because he has said that in multiple in- interviews that he loves Edmonton. It's one of his favorite Canadian cities. So doesn't he just say that about uh about every no, no, city? No, he's he was remember back when we used to have the IRL Indy race here. Yes. He was here as grand marshal for oh, a couple right. of them, right? So Oh,
1: cool. Yep. Uh, Steinberg is ready now. I think he was getting his haircut. Ah, okay. We're going to bring Pat Steinberg on. The Blue Jays are, are uh, trailing Arizona 4-2. That game is now in the top of the ninth, so they'll have to try to uh, to pull it out. You can text 630-630. A couple of uh, your text messages I will get to when we bring Pat on. The full Oilers schedule is out. I got a blog on it on 630 com. You can check that out. And, of course, uh, there are links on our website or you can just go to the Oilers page to get the entire schedule. They open up with a home-and-home home series against the Calgary Flames. And I believe Pat Steinberg from the Flames Radio Network is now finished his haircut. How beautiful do you look now, Pat?
5: I'm fresh and shorn and ready to dazzle you, come Buffalo.
1: Oh, oh you got a haircut just to impress me when I see you in Buffalo. That's nice.
5: I do everything I do in my life is to impress you or with you in mind. So why, why would this be any different?
1: So it's like I'm the subject of the Brian Adams song from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves.
5: Absolutely. Everything I do, I do it for
1: me. I wasn't sure if you were old enough to get that reference.
5: Of course I would. Give your head a shake.
1: <laughs> Pat Steinberg, part of our draft report for Nate's Computer Training Center. Heat up your computer skills this summer. Enroll now for July courses at nate.ca slash CTC. Uh, I'm going to start off with a text message from a listener. How's that, buddy? Sure. Matt says, Hey, Reed, Craig Custance is reporting tonight that Goligoski has signed a five year deal in the neighborhood of five and a half million per season. Do you think that sets the market for defensemen? If so, could Jason Demers be had for less than five million per season? Well, my answer, Pat, and Matt, who texted in. uh, You know, Goligosky had 37 points. Now, only five goals, but he did have 37 points. Demers uh, had 23 points, granted in only 62 games, so you can say he might have got 28, 29 or whatever. Uh, I I would think if the Oilers pursue Jason Demers, uh, hopefully you're not paying him $5 million a season. I I would certainly hope not. I know guys in free agency tend to get overpaid. The Oilers did it with Sekra, but I I would think if the Oilers want to add Demers, and there may be a partnership that works there. It's got to, it's got to be under five in my mind, Pat.
5: Well, it's funny because if you were to ask me who I would rather take in free agency, Golagoski or Demers, I would lean towards the latter ten times out of ten. It's funny because if, if we were to go back a year, year and a half ago and say, would there be a team that would, A, trade for Golagoski's rights, and B, give him that contract, we probably all would have said, "No, you're crazy." Because remember, for the longest time, Golagoski was kind of like the the guy like you gave up you gave up James Neal for that. And I mean, look, Golagoski had a much better season. He played top four minutes. I think he was number two on the team in terms of ice time, uh, behind only John Klingberg, if I remember correctly. He was right up there near the top. So he certainly has has been able to, to win back some of his fans after what was a pretty disastrous start to his time in in uh, Dallas. But Damaris to me is one of those guys. That I, I would feel more comfortable with Damaris on my team in a top four situation, in in all situations, than I would with Goligoski. I think Goligoski is one of those guys where I feel a little bit more nervous in in some defensive situations and in some head to head situations. Whereas I'm a little, I'm a lot more comfortable in in some of those spots with Damaris. So Damaris, and the, the good news about Damaris is he, he might be a better all round defenseman than Goligoski is because his point totals have never historically been high, and Golagoski's been able to post some pretty decent points and is able to put up some decent points in the power play, a lot of times, even still, with analytics becoming more and more and more a part of you know what we do in, in hockey, what you're, what you're paying for still is production. Goals, assists is still the, the main thing we pay for uh, in, in this day and age. I, I think the marriage could be had for under, under five million and, and I think that would be a, a pretty decent deal.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, we Golagassi's been just under half a point per game over the last three seasons. And you're right. Ultimately, you know, GMs are gonna look at that and say, Okay, he helps get, get stuff on the board at the other end of the rink, even if he has some drawbacks uh in his in his own end, you know i i look I, jim matheson was on last night talking about the he thinks the is a number four defenseman whatever I, I mean look if the oilers add two middle pairing defensemen this summer that still improves the defense that's just yeah. the reality of 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 where they've where they've come from and and i don't think you can i i, I was emphasizing this earlier in the show you're not getting dowdy suban uh ekblad Pick a, I mean, whatever. Pick one of the 16 or 17 legitimate five-tool defensemen in the league. You're not going to trade for one of those guys. They, they, they don't get moved. So, uh, uh, so the Oilers will get somebody in the Demers Hamonic mold. I think is fair to say. Hopefully, two of them, and then they go from there.
5: And you're right that that instantly improves them from where they were last year. Because, and I thought trying to take shots at the team from three hours south, but you know. We all know what the biggest drawback on this team is right now with depth of defense. I certainly wonder how things look and, and how, how how much of an impact it would have made if Clefbaum been healthier. Because I, I really like, I'm a huge fan of Clefbaum. I remember going back to the draft and they took him later in the first round. I, I remember sitting there saying to myself, man, I think the other's got a steal right there. And, and now that he is starting to turn into more and more of a legitimate NHL defenseman, that, that looks like it continues to be. Hey, so I think I think with I think and the way that he progresses and, and you know with with Nurse and uh, and and Sekera in the fold I think a couple more of those guys like you talk about because you're right it is so unlikely that one of those true top pairing defensemen uh, becomes available yeah you upgrade your defense. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you upgrade it to the point where they're going to be a Stanley Cup contender next year, but it's it's a process of, of slowly coming around to it. And, and if, you know, you have a, a nurse or a club bomb or somebody that gets, gets drafted this year or next year or something like that who eventually can turn into, you know, that quote-unquote 5 tool defenseman, it's the same conversation we're having down here with goaltenders. Everybody here is talking right. about, well, they, they need to go out and get their number one goaltender this summer. Like, no, they don't, because if they could find it, Great, if they can if they can you know pay a decent price for uh, uh number one goaltender and, and ben bishop's available and it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg and another arm then okay sure let's have that conversation but if bishop's going to be too expensive and flurry's going to be too expensive it doesn't make sense for where your team is right now okay well you don't have to do it this summer you can wait until there's a better deal out there next summer and you can still upgrade your goaltending. It just doesn't need to be the upgrade that is, is going to be the guy that maybe when you're ready to win a Stanley Cup or compete for one will be your goaltender because you go out, say they signed James Reimer for two years, goaltending still better next year. You've still upgraded your goaltending position and you've given yourself a little bit of time to continue finding the guy that eventually is going to be your answer. And I look at it the same way with, with the Oilers and the Blue Line. If, if you can't find that guy this summer, you still need to upgrade your blue line, right?
1: Right. Uh, I'm glad you brought up the goaltending there. Give me a sense of, of the reaction yesterday when when uh, when Freddie Anderson wound up going the uh, to the uh, to the Toronto Maple Leafs.
5: It was it was a pretty disappointed reaction. <laughs> Man, like that was the guy that everybody had targeted. And while I did I did as much as even myself, I was like, yeah, if, if I could choose one goalie that I think makes sense for the Flames, it's Freddie Anderson. But there was always that caveat of, well, Martin Jones went from L.A. to San Jose, but they needed to use Boston as an intermediary. So, I don't know how keen Anaheim was going to be to trade Anderson. In division, specifically knowing that you know the Flames are one of their top rivals, they've had a playoff meeting with them in recent years. Uh, there's there's not a lot of love lost with Kessler and Vexa there, and going back to you know their time with the Canucks, and so so that is a pretty decent rivalry. I would say Anaheim is one of Calgary's top three rivals at this point. So I don't know how I don't know how eager. Bob Murray was going to be to move Anderson, at least for the same price that Toronto gave up, I think Caffey would have had to pay more. So, uh, there was always that caveat, but yeah, I think it was disappointment because Anderson Anderson is the, I think, of, of the potentially available goaltenders the most attractive for a few different reasons. First of all, now he's Maple Leafs so this is all post-haste, but uh, the <laughs> the the fact that he is young, you know, 26, 27 years old, that's a, that's a check mark. The fact that he has Number one goaltending experience, and in the postseason, has had success doing so. That's a check mark, and the fact that his contract is controllable by you as a restricted free agent—that's a check mark. So you could control how he fits into his ca- into your cap, as opposed to inheriting a contract that was signed for another team's cap, as opposed to yours. And all the other goaltenders don't check off all three of those boxes. Ben Bishop doesn't. Mark Andre Fleury doesn't. Uh, Jimmy Howard doesn't. Brian Elliott doesn't. Freddie Anderson, for so many different reasons, was, I think, the best target. So when when he was traded to Toronto and then signed that five-year deal with them, yeah, it was disappointing because I think a lot of people thought that he might be the guy. And All reports suggest the Flames went hard after him. But the same same could very well have been true with Anderson as, as what might be true with what's going on right now asking prices just might be too high for the flames to do something and, and have it make sense they could go out and trade number six overall and and, and trade a prospect and bring in one of these goalies sure but does that really make you better going forward i, I don't know um and, and for the long term i don't know so that's that's what they're weighing right now and because anderson was the best available target for where the Flames are right now. There are a lot of people disappointed when he went to
1: Toronto. Pat Steinberg joining us from Sportsnet 960, the fan in Calgary. He hosts the Calgary Flames radio broadcast. We're both uh, getting ready to head to uh, Buffalo for the National Hockey League draft. All right, Calgary is uh, slated to pick sixth overall. Do they go big Logan Brown? Do they grab the first uh, defenseman off the board? Maybe a Ulevi or a Sergeyev or something like that. What's your sense there, Pat?
5: Well, my sense is a little bit different than what I think they should do, I think. My sense is, I kind of get the feeling anyway, just from what you've heard, and I've not been told this, uh, but just kind of from what you've heard from from different people in the organization in public, my sense is I think they might be looking at one of the blue liners. Uh, I know that Conroy, Craig Conroy, the assistant general manager down here, has talked about you glowingly many times i think conroy likes him quite a bit so it wouldn't surprise me if they went with the london knights defender i kind of feel though that right now if they could if they could get their hands on a nylander or get their hands on a logan brown certainly if if one of you know if the oilers and or the canucks go off the script a little bit and Kachuk or Dubois are, are there for the taking at number six overall. I think they absolutely have to go down that road. And I say that because yeah, the, who who are Calgary's top prospect forwards right now? And even us here, you know, you, you're you're not as in tune with Calgary's prospects as we are down here the same way, vice versa. But even down here, we're like, geez, who is Calgary's top prospect forward? Like, okay, there's Manjapani and Barry, who they drafted last year in the late round. He had a good year, but still not convinced he's going to be a blue chip NHL prospect. They acquired Hunter Shinkarik from Vancouver and it's like, all right, well, maybe, but I mean, they don't have that, that prospect anymore. And that's because Gaudreau and Bennett and Monahan are all playing in the NHL, but their, their, their cupboards at forward are fairly thin. Whereas on the blue line, they drafted Shillington last year. They drafted Anderson last year. They drafted Hickey two years ago. Uh, Watherspoon seems like he's a guy who might be NHL ready finally for the full, you know, for a full season they're they're a little bit better off in terms of defensemen in the system forwards they've got some guys who might turn into decent role players decent bottom six forwards they might get a score at a shin they might get something nice out of a late round pick in manjapani but they don't really have that that true prospect so a nylander or a dubois or a kachuk or a brown I think would instantly give them another guy that's in that category once again. So that that's kind of the way I think they should go. And 50-50 as to whether or not they do. Because I, I do think there's, uh, at least in, in some circles within that war room, I do think there's a desire to, to maybe go with a defenseman.
1: All right, Pat. And before I let you go, i got to ask about the coaching change. Uh, well, the new coach that was hired on Friday, Glenn Gullison, mm-hmm. Uh, and coming in, I know we talked. Uh, Brendan Ulrich from our station interviewed, and we talked a lot about building relationships with players. Uh, I mean, look, that's a pretty common uh, statement from, from coaches these days. But but the GM Brad Treveling, Trey Living, emphasized that as well. I mean, do we make the obvious read in here that uh, that uh, Mr. Hartley wasn't uh, building relationships that were uh, <laughs> necessarily pushing players in the right direction, and, and now Gullitson has to t- turn that around?
5: Well I think that the way Hartley went about things did get stuff out of players for a time but I think that the message certainly wore thin. I think he, there's definitely um I've never been coached by either guy just for the record but from what I've been told, you know, Bob Hartley much more of a taskmaster, much more of a hard ass whereas you know, when you're talking about Glenn Gullitson, he's got a reputation of being a far more player-oriented coach, a guy who uh, is, is a little bit more inclined to listen to his leaders. And one of the things that he said at his news conference I thought was really interesting was he talked about, you know, being in tune with his leadership group and and really using them as as a gauge and a barometer as to where where the team is right now. so Bob Hartley they didn't get days off practice. the only time they got days off practice was when the CDA said they had to. otherwise I mean they, they, they were practicing they were, they were tired no oh, you're on the practice ice and every once in a while there'd be an optional or something like that. But for the most part, like Bob Hartley wanted to practice 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 and and, and I think that you know what you get from the, the the impression that I get from Gulllitzson is yeah, you know what I'll talk to them at stage and Mark Giordano and and, and the, the leadership group on this team, if they say you know what we probably need a break he'll give him a break and, and cancel practice and and really listen and lean on his his more experienced players a little bit more so i got that and 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 i just i think the reputation is he's a little bit more of a uh, a player oriented coach and is more about you know instead of and i'm not saying one's better than the other the flames got to round 2 of the playoffs you know, the, the season before last and that was pretty fun but i think bob hartley was more a i'm going to tell you what to do this is what we're going to do and and you know that was his style whereas i think is more okay this is what i want us to do let's let's talk about how we can do it and how we can do it most effectively i, I kind of think that's the the biggest difference between the two
1: all right hey buddy uh, i look forward to seeing you in buffalo hopefully we can find time to uh go to the anchor bar for some wings or something like that it's walking distance from where uh, where i'm staying so uh, i will see you there man
5: I think, I think I'm think i staying in Syracuse. I'm not sure. I think I'm in Syracuse. I'm so far open, You can but, try out uh, for
1: their NCAA basketball team.
5: Yeah, exactly. You can well, be a walk-on. I'm looking forward to seeing you.
1: All right. Thanks, Pat. Bye, Raider. Pat Steinberg from the Flames Radio Network. He's always fun to have on the show. Uh, interesting stuff there with what's going on with Calgary. 751. Hey, uh, open line time coming up. Chris from Phoenix is standing by after the break.
0: You're listening to 6:30 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins.
1: All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. Blue Jays lost uh, 4-2 to Arizona tonight. NHL salary cap set for the upcoming season at 73 million dollars. Goes up 1.6 million. Chris from Phoenix on the line. Hey, Chris.
6: Hey, what's up, man? How you guys? How you doing out
1: there? I'm doing great. What's on your mind?
6: Nothing. I just want to comment on the the defense. Yeah, we have to. The best way is to draft a defenseman. Same thing with a with a center. Uh, centers and defensemen are are, are those things that uh, you have to try to uh, to find in the draft. Unfortunately, uh, the Oilers have had very very poor scouting, and and the defensemen are, are kind of a crapshoot if you if you uh, think about it in in drafting because. There's been those uh, those rare occasions where you find a number one defenseman early in the draft, like the Ekblads, the Dowdies. Those guys are kind of an anomaly and ra- a rarity. Usually, you find the defenseman in the second through, uh, like uh, the, the, the wings have proved uh, the second through the sixth round, where uh, where I believe uh, a guy like Lidstrom was somewhere in the in the fifth through to the seventh round. I believe the problem is uh, is our, our scouting. We, under the old regime, uh, we've had poor scouting, poor, pro, poor scouting, uh, pro scouting and poor, uh, poor amateur scouting. Uh, I'm not sure exactly if, how well that's been uh, uh, corrected under uh, Shirelli. uh but hopefully it has because uh, we definitely need something. We need to, uh, to either draft a, a guy or, or trade for one. I still think that we can't trade for one. Uh, it's just whether or not we want to we want to pay the price to, to get one. I don't trade Hall uh, and I don't trade McDavid, obviously. But uh, to me, everybody else is fair game. Uh, from Oscar Clefbaum, like I've said, to Darnell Nurse, that fourth uh, fourth overall pick. Uh, it, it's time for us to uh, to move forward here and quit uh, waiting on on people to to get better or for prospects to, to develop. It's, it's been ten years, so if we can improve by by getting a, a Hamanek or or whatever and it costs us a little bit extra i'm not saying ridiculous you know to, to, to give up a, a boatload but you know i'm sure we can get it done and uh, we'll go from there
1: well i remember chris uh, about a year ago peter shirelli did fire some scouts including uh, Stu mcgregor who was the head amateur scout at the time so i guess uh, we'll see how the new batch uh, how they've been doing once we get through this crop of guys thanks for listening buddy okay. next time uh, you hear from me i will be in buffalo okay man Awesome, thank you. That is Chris from Phoenix checking in. Coming up to the 8 o'clock news. Of course, you can keep the text coming to 630-630. A little bit, uh, why don't we talk about gambling? Anything wrong with that, Kellen Kennedy? No? We'll talk a little DraftKings. Why they have added the little old Canadian Football League to their gambling site. It's coming up between 8 and 9.